Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and on this episode of the podcast, we talk to Evan Woodbury. He covers the Tigers for M Live, and baseball is back, my friends. The, the little things that you take for granted before, uh, I don't think I'm going to take for granted again. Just the, the little uh, pleasures about about this job and, and about life in general. For the last three months, I think all of us on the sports team have been cognizant of the fact that sports are not the biggest story right now. They're just kind of a sideline to the biggest story. You know, the return of sports. Uh, you know, can have a positive effect on what, you know, what has been kind of a, a traumatic several months in, in the country and the world uh, to have some some sense of normalcy, some sense of, of a Michigan summer uh, would be really nice. And that's why I really, I really hope they can pull this off and I hope, uh, hope we make it to the finish line. So grab your peanuts, your Cracker Jack, your beer, and your hot dog, and let's jump into this. My co-host, as always, Vice President of Content, John Heiner. John, how are you? Eric, I've got to tell you, I am great this week. Um, it's been an interesting summer. We've dealt with a lot of heavy topics, but uh, I think summer is officially here today with the uh, with this podcast. So for sure, um, if you if you will indulge me, I'm going to do something I've always wanted to do. Okay, and, and with apologies to the late great Ernie Harwell, here it goes. For lo, the winter is past; the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in the land. Can you guess what I'm getting at here, Eric? Yes, 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 I can. <laughs> it's baseball season. It is and baseball. And after a crazy, crazy winter and spring, um, it's it's actually, um, you know, we're not free from. Um, anxiety and stress about sports and stuff too, because we'll talk about that today. But uh, our guest today is Evan Woodbury. He is the MLive beat writer for the Detroit Tigers. And Evan has joined us today, fittingly, from uh, Comerica Park, where I think they're in the middle of an inter-squad game. Welcome, Evan. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have baseball back a little bit later than expected or than hoped, but uh, it's finally here. And this would be technically summer training, correct? Yeah, they're calling it summer camp, which I didn't think would really catch on. But, you know, it, it's kind of it's shorter than spring training part two, and it also makes more sense because this is no longer spring. So, uh, summer camp it is. So in the afternoon, do they get a nap and do crafts, or do they go back to playing baseball? <laughs> it's it's funny. I mean, because especially the guys that don't have any roots here that are either not sure they're going to have a job or just kind of uh, less secure in their jobs. I mean, they're just staying in a hotel and because of the stringent regulations, they're just walking from the stadium to the hotel and back every single day. And they're encouraged, of course, to stay in their hotel the entire day. So not only is it like, if this is summer camp, it's the boringest summer camp they've ever had <laughs> because they're coming to the ballpark for a few hours and then going back to their hotel room and, and watching uh, Netflix or playing video games all day. Well, like everything else that we've been talking about in recent weeks, Everything is backwards and upside down and inside out, right? Uh, we, even baseball, the fact that they're on the field and they are wearing uh, their uniforms and using the bats and balls and all this, but it, nothing is really normal, is it, Evan? It's really not. And, you know, we were talking about this. Who knows how this year is going to be remembered when it's all said and done because it's, it's not going to be normal. It's going to be a novelty year. You know, people were making maybe it's the compar best comparison is World War II, when so many, well, pretty much all the game's big stars were 
were in, in the service and it was basically just fill-ins. It was, and, but you know, the idea then as now was, you know, some better, some baseball is better than no baseball at all, even if it has to be kind of a weird version of it that we're not familiar with. Uh, but I think that's, that's kind of what we're looking at this year. And it's, uh, it's going to be 60 games. It's going to be two months, two month sprint and knock on wood, hopefully we can make it to the finish line. As a fan watching these 60 games, how do you think the tempo of this will change, right? Because it's, it's quite a bit shorter than what we're typically used to, which changes the velocity of, of what we're doing. So how do you think that'll change the way people are watching the game? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because basically one game is going to count three times now and in the sense that, let's say, the Tigers get off to a hot start and sweep the opening series. That's basically the equivalent of being 9-0 in a normal season. Or if they get swept, that's the equivalent of being 0-9 in a normal season. So I, I think every every game is going to matter a lot more. And I think from the Tigers' perspective, a team that was the worst in baseball by far last year, you know, they can say, hey, we want to compete this year. And nobody, I mean, obviously it's still a long shot, but, but nobody is laughing hysterically at them like they would if this was going to be a 162-game season. Just because <laughs> in 60 games, it, you know, anything really can happen. And there a million examples of teams that were really good or really bad through the, the first 60 games of a schedule and, and changed it the, in the, the stretch run. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. There is the stretch run this year is going to happen about two or three weeks into the season. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to get underway late July and the stretch run will be starting September 1st. And really, I think just about every team is still going to be in it at that point, which is going to be unlike, unlike anything we've ever seen. Does this change the calculus at all for garden hire or the GM or you know, anybody about how you approach the season, bring up top prospects, um, stuff like that to, to, to really go for it in, in that 60 game season, or is it business as usual for the Tigers? I think they're just going to play it by ear because if this had been a normal season, presumably they'd be out of the race by September. And that's the time traditionally when you bring up young guys let them get their feet wet this year and then say, okay, now, you, now you've got your feet wet and, and you can go into spring training next year to compete for a job. That's kind of all out the window this year because there aren't going to be September call-ups like, like there normally would because presumably you know, the Tigers will not be that far out of the race in September. The only question I think is uh, you know, bringing up those young guys, will that be a sign that they're all in to compete? because frankly, it's possible that some of those young pitchers are better than the, the veteran ones that they'd be replacing. Or is it a sign that they're throwing and they're waving the white towel? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, that'll be interesting. I think that's going to be a, you know, so much of what has happened just the last few weeks is unprecedented. The, you know, these, these summer camps, teams are handling them a thousand different ways because there's no, there's no script for how to, how to do all this. And I think it's going to be kind of the same way this year. There's going to be no script for how to handle September, what you do about the young players that, across the league would normally be coming up at that time. And so I think they're just going to kind of play it by ear and, and see what happens and see where they stand in September. Yeah, one of the things you already wrote was Garden Harrier wanted to get them into game action as quickly as possible. That's why they're playing these inter-squad games. And rather than just do fundamentals and drills and I suppose hit the fungos are all around the park. Um, so what are you seeing on the, on the field in terms of preparedness and how they look physically? To me, this summer camp has driven home what I've always said, and it's kind of, <laughs> you can't say this in baseball because everybody loves spring training, but spring training is about three weeks too long because, you know, in the old days, players were going back to their regular jobs and, 
you know, going back to Wisconsin to work the farm or something like that. And then they would have to come to spring training and get in shape. These days, everybody trains 12 months out of the year. Nobody stops training. They don't have to shake off any rust. They just have to come back and, and get used to game action. And I think that's been the most remarkable thing is how everybody is in really, really good shape. I mean, it, they're really in better shape than they would have been if they'd been playing the last three months uh, of baseball, because, you know, during three months of baseball, you're on the road half the time, you're in hotels, you're eating takeout, you're not living a really healthy lifestyle and players sometimes get a little pudgy because of that. This in this year, they've been at home training for the last three months, kind of like a second off season. So they, they came back in great shape. And, and like Gardenhire said, the only thing they needed was live game action. The only thing they needed was, was to see real pitches and, and play real games. And that's why that's pretty much what they've been doing exclusively since they got here. Before we go into some bigger topics related to coronavirus and how it's affecting sports and sports writers and so forth, I'm going to wonk out a little bit as a baseball fan, because I am. But in spring training, I mean, when they first get down, their pitchers and catchers have to show up first. It takes them a little longer, the pitchers anyways, to get into shape. Um, are we facing the same curve here with the, this abbreviated summer camp? Are pitchers going to be uh, struggling to, to, to be ready for the beginning of the season? I think that's, yeah, I think that's one thing that we'll have to see is, you know, are you going to see on opening day this year, a lot of pitchers going four or five innings instead of going six or seven innings like they normally would. And I suspect that we will. Uh, and that's why, you know, if the Tigers with an expanded roster and every team with an expanded roster, they're going to have a ton of pitchers on opening day. And so they have room to be creative and they have room to maybe have your starting pitcher go three innings and then have a reliever go three innings or, you know, use a four-man rotation or maybe use a six-man rotation with two guys uh, piggybacking in, in the same role. They've got some flexibility to be, to be creative because I don't, you know, you might have guys stretched out for 75 or 80 pitches, but you're not going to have them stretched out for, for 100 or 110 pitches by the time opening day comes around. I'm hearing the PA announcer, which is kind of cool atmospherics from Comerica Park. What is it like there in the stadium now under all the new rules and the guidelines and, um, you know, how is what is the same, if anything, and then kind of help our listeners understand what it's what it's like to be in the in the building. The part I love the most is just being I mean, you can hear the crack of the bat and the, the smack of the mitt in a normal game, but you hear it a lot louder uh, now in an empty stadium. But what you really miss with a, in a normal game is just the communication between players, uh, the yelling between the outfielders, the razzing from the bench. I mean, you can literally hear everything. If there's a player having an, a loud conversation, just talking in a normal vo voice, uh, you can hear it from the press box. And in fact, I'm probably talking loud enough that somebody sitting in the seats can hear me speaking right now, uh, or they can hear me across the press box. But uh, that's something you don't get in a normal game. And so I, I think that's kind of cool. And I like that. And some teams have pumped in artificial crowd noise. And I really hope the Tigers don't do that because uh, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the empty stadium. And the other, the other weird thing is things that you don't even think about because normally there are fans seated behind the dugout. Even when there aren't many fans in Comerica Park, there are always at least a handful of fans that are in the, the lower bowl. And when there's nobody, the sun just glares off the back of those seats. And it's really, uh, it's kind of bright. And the uh, infielders have been complaining about it. So they've, they're actually going around manually taping up the back of these chairs so they don't bring as much glare from the sun 
which is something I would have never thought about in a million years. But, you know, when there's no fans in the stands, the, the stadium plays a little bit different than it normally does. What about for the working press, baseball writers? Tell us how, how things are di- going to be different this year for you. Well, basically, we can't get close to players. I mean, you can't you think you can. Uh, they are the players are in a bubble, so to speak, and we are players are tier one and we are tier three <laughs> every everybody in the stadium is assigned a tier and tier three is not allowed to interact with tier one or even that tier two is that custodians and so forth Tier two would be like the staff members front office uh and they are allowed to interact with us but they're encouraged to do so as little as possible because they occasionally have to interact with tier one and they're trying to avoid the, the cross contamination or whatever so it's like they really have given a lot of thought to this uh, I mean, the bad part of it is that baseball, uh, really among all the sports, I think has some of the best access as far as just being able to go into the clubhouse and have casual conversations or, you know, the, the day-to-day rhythms of baseball, the fact that it lasts so long, uh, make it a really good sport for access and getting to know uh, the players over the course of the year. And, you know, that's kind of all out the window this year because we're all doing Zoom interviews, uh, even though we're here in the stadium and they're here in the stadium, we're doing uh, we're doing Zoom interviews, uh, you know, rather than seeing each other in person, and so I mean it's it's not the same and it's not it's not a normal season, but uh, you know it's a, a small sacrifice I guess to be able to play at this point. You know I've been uh, in and around mixed martial arts in the UFC for probably 17 years at this point. And they were obviously the first sport to get back. NASCAR followed closely behind them, but two things that you were said that stood out to me: one. To your point, when you see two men or two women fighting in the UFC with no crowd, you can hear a lot more of the action that's going on. That makes it really, really fascinating. However, there's two differences between the UFC and Major League Baseball, one of them being the UFC hasn't done a single event, although they've done a bunch of events during COVID. They haven't done a single one without a fighter testing positive and being pulled from the card. So can you explain to our listeners what happens if there's a positive test in a team atmosphere, right? So if it's a fighter, the fighter's out, the fight is done. But when you're dealing with an entire team, that's a very different, and like you said, you've got three tiers you're dealing with, but what happens if there's a positive test? Well, it's, you know, what people originally thought, well, team sports will never be able to return because if there's one positive test on the team, they must shut down the entire team. And baseball is not doing that. And I don't think, uh, you know, NFL is going to do that either. They are going to contract contact trace from the player and obviously, every, everybody that's had contact with them will be under extended scrutiny and, and further testing, but they're not going to shut everything down. For the Tigers, every positive test that has happened so far, or every what we assume are positive tests that have happened so far, have involved players testing positive before they got here. So the first player that tests positive while they're here around their teammates will be really interesting to see because you, know, you could potentially imagine some guys that maybe had a locker next to him or spent time with him in some capacity, maybe they'd be held up for a precautionary measure until they can be tested more thoroughly. I don't know. That's going to be some, some uncharted territory. Uh, But that's, that's the big question is, you know, what will happen if there's an outbreak and by an outbreak, you know, five, six, seven guys on one team. Yes, they have fill-ins, but the integrity of the game is already kind of, being challenged by the uniqueness of the season. And if you have massive, you know, outbreaks where tons of guys are gonna have to leave a team and be replaced by minor leaguers, that's only gonna, you know, make this very unusual season even more dubious, I think. And that's something they would like to avoid at all costs. But the worst case scenario is the team can't play at all. And then 
the opponents can't play them and then you have a messed up schedule and there's not enough time to to make up games that are canceled and I, I don't know I think that's kind of the the disaster scenario for how they don't they don't manage to finish this year uh, and hopefully it doesn't come to it there was some late the, the you know the labor wrestling with management to get this season to where it is was pretty epic uh, probably predictable but epic what is the sentiment right now that they're in uniform and on the field um, just kind of a grudging we'll play the season because well, once that scenario you just described happens it seems like that could reignite all of that again about player right. safety careers uh, you know some some players have been very vocal about trying to protect their careers in the future and things of that nature yeah it's interesting because i think the tigers are probably the most avid about wanting to play really really wanting to play this year and you know the players that have opted out to this point are generally players who have veterans who have already made a ton of money in baseball and they have more to lose than to gain by playing this short, unusual season. The Tigers have a lot of guys who are in the opposite scenario. They have much, much more to lose by not playing than, than playing. Uh, these are guys that frankly need the money. I mean, or this is a rare, you know, earning opportunity for them. Uh, guys that maybe have not made a ton of money throughout their career. And this, this is an opportunity to, to be on the big league roster and earn a big league salary. But even more than that, guys that, really need opportunities to play in the big leagues and show they belong uh, for next year. They don't, they don't want or need, and in some cases can't survive uh, a lost year without any progress because everybody's going to be a year older next year. You know, if you're a, if you're a 24, 25 year old, you're about to age out of prospect territory and be replaced by the next guy in line. If you're a, you know, 30 or 31 year old, you're about to get into that territory where you don't want to be. And you're, you know, basically playing for, spring training invitations every year. So it's, it's a tough spot. For, and the Tigers have a lot of guys who are kind of on that big league bubble and they really want to play. So it's interesting. I have read a lot of players expressing concerns, but they're almost universally veterans who, you know, who have that kind of the, you know, who have made money, who don't need this season. The Tigers have a lot of guys who really need this season and really want to play because of that. Back to the, there's some unusual things this year that are happening, of course, because of the, the circumstances surrounding coronavirus. One that's intriguing to me is the regional competitive, uh, the teams that will be playing. And instead of, you know, those 10 o'clock games in Oakland, um, they'll be playing Cincinnati Reds and the Cubs and I, I think St. Louis, I believe. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what that means? I know this is probably a one-off type of deal, but what, from a fan and even from your perspective, what, what's that like? Well, from a practical perspective, it means the Tigers are going to travel less than virtually every other team in baseball because they're, you know, some of the teams just because of divisional oddities, you know, may have to go from Texas to California or to Seattle or something like that. You know, the Tigers are pretty much staying in the Midwest all year long. Uh, and a lot of trips that are, they're going to fly, but are presumably, potentially drivable if they wanted to like Cleveland and Chicago and, and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So they've got a lot of really close trips. Uh, and then, you know, just from a competitive standpoint, some teams really lucked out in the composition of the schedule. Other teams did not, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, the Yankees or the Red Sox and you've already got a really tough AL East and then you look at what you're going to have to face in the NL East, you're probably not real thrilled with the way things worked out. Tigers, I mean, Nobody knows what's going to happen with the AL Central this year. The Indians uh, 
Twins and potentially White Sox could be pretty good. Uh, but they've got a lot of games against the Royals and you know, a fairly balanced NL Central. So it's they're going to be playing a, a higher percentage of interleague games this year. They're going to be playing a higher percentage of uh, in, intra-division games. And then zero games against the AL West and AL East, which is very strange. But, you know, it's going to be an unusual year. And that's just, the you know, yet another oddity is the scheduling. Mm-hmm. What do you anticipate opening day in Detroit will be like I just I know there won't be fans in the stadium but something tells me there'll be people down there I mean there are bars and other things to do around there and you never know now with the public emergency orders which are changing every week what scenario we'll be in when that happens Um, but what's your take on on fan interest in the season and what you think is going to happen with opening day yeah I'll be real curious to see because uh, you know obviously everything is going to be a made for TV event. And, you know, I, I think, I hope that that Fox sports kind of takes the, the initiative to do some, you know, maybe unusual things that wouldn't be possible or that, you know, because they have almost an exclusive uh, monopoly on the audience at this point is if you're going to be watching the Tigers, you're going to have to see it on TV around the stadium to this point, we've seen a few curious gawkers you know, in, the, in the outfield looking through the fence. But at this point, you kind of have to be a diehard to do that, to be to go downtown for an inter-squad game and, and look in through the, the fence. But I, I would I could see an opening day, especially if, you know, this is not going to be a typical Detroit opening day where it's 28 degrees and snowing. This is going to be an opening day where it's uh, you know, potentially an, a beautiful summer evening. Uh, so I could see, you know, fans coming down and, and enjoying a beer and maybe take it, soaking in some of the ambiance and, uh, you know, it's it's one of those once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime for bad reasons, but <laughs> one of those once in a lifetime events that that uh, hopefully won't be repeated. So I could see people wanting to, to soak it in a little bit. With the lower center field wall at Comerica Park, you know, you can see the skyline of the city. Also, conversely, some of the office buildings and the top of buildings, I've been in some buildings downtown where you can see inside the stadium. It's going to be like it's going to be like Chicago. Yes. <laughs> people, yes. People, yep. people are going to get their coolers and get up there and watch a Tiger game, you know? That's actually a great point because even during normal games, the Detroit Athletic Club, which probably has the best view right into the right into the stadium, uh, they always have fans up there on their on their uh, port or their patio, their balcony. So, I mean, they could they could sell tickets. They could do whatever they want. That, that would be a perfect view couple of parking garages, couple uh, couple of shorter buildings that have nice views into it. That's actually a really good idea. I wonder I should I should put that on my story list because I'm curious <laughs> if any buildings are thinking along those lines. Hmm. I, I might have to find someone who's a member of the Detroit Athletic Club. <laughs> I, I must say, um, I just I've watched some of the highlights out of Korean and Taiwanese baseball, you know, and a guy hits a three run homer, you know, and extra innings to win the game and there's no fans cheering. And, you know, I think of 2006 when Maglio Ordonez hit that bomb to, to win the championship series against Oakland and just the frenzy, you know, that you see of the players and they can't, they can't do that. They can't dog pile, you know, they can't high five, but the fans going berserk and all that. Um, it's been a while since we, we had <laughs> that kind of celebration in Detroit, but just the, 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 the oddity of, of playing without fans and so forth. You said some stadiums are, are thinking about pumping in fan noise. Yeah. And you know, the Tigers may ultimately do that as well. I don't know. I think it may end up having to do with player preference. 
uh, what what they like, if they like the quiet, or if they might, you know, it's kind of like uh, tennis where it's sometimes too quiet. Uh, so I don't know. They, they, Tigers may end up doing that. I I think it'll probably be strangest for postseason games simply because uh, you know to, to imagine like say a game seven World Series game on the line and a completely dead silent empty stadium just seems incredibly bizarre. I mean, the reality is that the Tigers, especially towards the end of last year, they played some games in some pretty empty <laughs> They're pretty quiet. Uh, you know, sometimes some of those, especially late in the game where you have one drunk fan out in the outfield and you can hear him yelling from the press box, you know, they played a few games like that last year. So that part won't be totally foreign. Uh, but when it's a big game, whether it's like an opening day type thing or postseason or a game on the line, you know, postseason berth on the line, to have that kind of high intensity moment in an empty, dead quiet stadium is, is going to be tough to get used to. Okay, I'm going to make yeah. you a spokesman or avatar. Okay, uh, M Live has uh, a dozen or so pro and college sports writers uh, who cover professional and college sports. Um, all of them have been affected since March. Um, you guys have been able, been doing great work. I got to say, uh, guys and gals have been doing great work covering the teams, all the issues they're facing um, with coronavirus and, 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 you know, the labor negotiations and getting ramped back up. But what has it been like for you personally as a professional sports writer um, to work in this kind of environment or as a reporter, you don't have direct access um, to the venue or to the players, the management coaches, um, and also the unknowns and, and try to kind of reformat your job as a, as a sports writer when we're in these circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it, it has been really difficult and, you know, it, it's been the last couple of weeks, although I've been really since camp started, I've been working harder than I've worked in a long time, but it's been so, it's been such a great feeling to get back into the routine and, and to, you know, to actually feel like I'm doing something worthwhile uh, after just months of uncertainty uh, you know, and, and I think all of us kind of said, I don't think we're going to, the little things that you take for granted before, uh, I don't think I'm going to take for granted again, just the, the little uh, pleasures about, about this job and, and about life in general, uh, that, <laughs> that suddenly you, uh, you know, you, you might take for granted, but then when you're cooped up in your house for, for three months with a lot of uncertainty and not sure what you're going to do or how you're going to do it, 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 it changes everything. Uh, so I, I think definitely it's, it's uh, put things in perspective and, you know, it's for the last three months, I think all of us on the sports team have, have tried to, you know, find story. Obviously we want to continue contributing, but also being cognizant of the fact that sports are not the biggest story right now. They're just kind of a sideline to the biggest story. And it's still that way. But I, I also think that, you know, the return of sports, uh, you know, can have a positive effect on what, you know, what has been kind of a, a traumatic several months in, in the country, in the world, uh, to have some some sense of normalcy, some sense of of a Michigan summer uh, would be really nice. And that's why I really I really hope they can pull this off. And I hope uh, hope we make it to the finish line. I think I've been in the industry for a long time and I remember working in a newspaper and I was starting in a new newspaper and I was getting a tour of the newsroom and then they pointed towards start the sports department. So that's the toy department, you know, <laughs> they just, they just have fun over there. But I think that's really, uh, it's funny, but it's dismissive. It's not true because sports sports are part of culture, you know, just like the arts and humanities and other things. And they're, they're representative 
of the way we think as a people in the history of our country. And baseball, of course, is, you know, it's just the, it's America's pastime um, going back, you know, to the 1800s. And so I think there's a lot. I think the one thing coronavirus has done for me in, you know, do I miss you know, the 24 seven sports cycle? You know, not totally, but that wasn't real sports either. There's a lot of stuff that's whipped up around. I mean, it's, it's like from the movie Dodgeball, you know, ESPN Ocho, you know, ESPN eight, you know, showing, you know, showing kids on sleds or something. Um, but I think that there's a reason that people get into sports because it's a part of their life. It's entertainment, it's enjoyment. I mean, cheering for a team is not a small thing. You grow up with these things. And I remember my dad taking me to Tiger Stadium on bat day, you know, when I was a kid and get your free bat and, uh, we remember Al Kaline and get Kirk Gibson in 84 and it's part of our history too. So I, I don't, I think that whatever they, the things you do are every bit as important uh, for M live and our readers as, as the news as well. And a lot of societal issues are affect sports the same way they affect other institutions as well. Um, it's a business. Um, it, it's part of an economic you know, vitality of our communities and so forth. So this, you guys have been doing some really important work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a game, but it's a game that, that is also a billion dollar industry, not just baseball, but, but professional sports and even college sports to a, to a degree as well uh, on which many people depend on their livelihood and the vast majority of whom, whom are not actually playing the game. Uh, and, you know, the same with college sports as well. So, uh, yeah, I think in that sense, it is important. And, and to what you said, I didn't grow up in Michigan, but I grew up in Ohio, which is kind of the same. I feel very, very a strong kinship to, to Detroit because of that, because Cleveland and Detroit are so similar. And to me, summer in general and baseball specifically is kind of a, a reward for enduring the long winter <laughs> in, in, the, in the Midwest. It's, it's kind of a rite of passage. And so to have that disrupted this year and I think was, was, uh, was tough on everybody. And so that's what, you know, just to have it back, even if it's in this very strange uh, form that we're going to have it in this summer, uh, I think that's a positive. I think that's, you know, I, I would like to see it work. I'm rooting for it to work. Mm-hmm. And Evan, I, I, I think we all are rooting for it to work because you only have to watch cornhole on ESPN for about 16 minutes. So you're like any, please, any sport come back. Um, but you know, you, you feel it differently. And I, I, I'd be interested to, to see in your social circle, what you're feeling, but even in the neighborhoods here, there's people that aren't necessarily into baseball, but are missing that part of summer and are talking about next week and it's starting and being excited about no matter what it looks like, just this tiny slice of normalcy. And I, I wonder, you know, if you're feeling the same thing, not only in the stadium, but the people that you're talking to day in and day out, if, if there's that sense of normalcy coming next week that we can sort of inch forward to whatever is going to be after this. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, I think the, the one story I, I told to my friends, because this to me seemed very Midwestern for some reason, but for me, uh, I, I live in Royal Oak and my neighbor, you know, he, once the weather starts turning nice, he starts puttering around in the garage and, you know, doing yard work in the backyard. And he has his transistor radio out there. And normally he'd be listening to a Tigers game, but for this summer, or at least the early parts of the summer, he was listening to the classic tiger games, just because mm. that was part of his routine. And that was kind of that for him was, uh, was summer. And so that, I mean, honestly, that, that uh, reminded me of so many people I grew up with uh, in, in Ohio, that the same type of deal where just, you know, being in the yard, being outdoors, 
finally uh, emerging after uh, months of cabin fever to, uh, to enjoy the beautiful summers here and, and baseball is a big part of that. So, yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I, I think uh, I don't want to, it's the, it's more likely than not the Tigers are not going to be very good this year. I mean, let's just be hundred percent honest, but because there is a chance that, that because this season is so unusual and because it is so short and because anything can happen, I, I do think there's, if the Tigers get off to a good start, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some of that interest that's been dormant for the last couple of years while the Tigers have struggled. Mm-hmm. I think you may see that pick back up just because the Tigers are going to kind of have the, the stage to themselves and baseball is going to have the stage to itself for a little while. I think they're tied for first, right? <laughs> As of today, they are. <laughs> I, I like what you mentioned because growing up in Michigan, my parents, you know, we had a cottage up north for a while and stuff, but we take these long car trips you didn't have serious radio. The only the only radio that would carry you from Detroit, you know, to northern Michigan was WJR. And it didn't matter. There were a lot of years the Tigers weren't great. But Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey, you know, that was just music to your ears. Uh, it was it was in that. So it's no I, I wanted to reference Ernie at the beginning of this podcast because uh, that he was a legend. But talking about like some old school things, uh, I'm going to mention something or reference something. I think you're going to know what I'm talking about, but you brought back a throwback thing in some of your uh, game updates from summer camp uh, that our readers may be noticing in your posts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, not the box scores. Yes. Box scores. (laughs) (laughs) My, my colleagues are kind of giving me a hard time about that because I, no way, dude, man, I'm a stats guy. (laughs) The thing is, uh, you know, I, I was a stat, I was a huge stats guy when I was a kid, but that was back in the old days when you didn't have the internet and you didn't have every stat at your fingertips. But because these are fake games that are no one is keeping stats other than me, uh, it is kind of it's proprietary. No, no one else has a box score than me. Partially because no one else is bothering to do a box score other than me. But it is kind of fun because uh, you know it's like. A, it's, you know, there is no other, other way of getting that. And, and I have gotten some good feedback from folks that they enjoy that. So I've been, I've been doing box scores for every inter-squad game here. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like cracking up the old, the newspaper in the old days and, and seeing mm-hmm. how the, the Tigers yeah. did and checking the box score. Well, only a few people know this about me. Uh, as a kid, we were living out in the country and I didn't have, I, was, I wasn't old enough to drive or anything, but I had Stratomatic baseball. And I would play like whole seasons of division games, and I kept stats for imaginary players. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, I saw the box scores, and I was like, right on, man! I a secret admirer here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ke- I'm keeping a uh, you know a spreadsheet of the stats, so you know it's it will be irrelevant once real baseball starts in a few days, but. Uh, but for a few days, it's this is the only game in town, and so I'm going to keep doing it. Hey, uh, one thing I want to make sure we talk about before uh, we wrap it up today, uh, but M Live has started Tigers Confidential. Why don't you talk to our listeners a little bit about what that is and how they can get personal, get some personal updates and contact with you, the writer? Yeah, it's it's basically a, a service where I send texts directly to your phone. Uh, you know, maybe two, three, four times a day, depending on news and depending on what's going on uh, but uh, you know it's it's news it's sometimes it's insight sometimes it's analysis sometimes a little bit of opinion sometimes I ask your opinion uh, and you know the, I think for me the coolest thing and the thing that sets it apart from 
social media or you know any other or just the stories themselves is that you know if you have a question just text me you can just uh you know i'm here at the stadium and uh, you can just shoot me a text and and tell me what's on your mind or, or wonder about whether this player is going to make the roster or wonder what i'm seeing from uh, from this player and i think there are there are a few other uh services out there that that can do that so uh, I would just, I would tell folks, give it a try. It's free for 14 days. It's very easy to cancel. You don't have to call an 800 number and haggle with somebody if you don't like it. Uh, you know, if you don't like it after 14 days, just hit cancel. But uh, I hope you'll give it a try because baseball is starting up and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cool new thing we're trying and it's a cool new service. And I think most people have enjoyed it so far. That's great. And I'd like to share the phone number. All they have to do is text this number. You don't have to go find an online form to sign up. And again, Evan, as Evan said, it's a 14-day free trial. Uh, you could, uh, if you like what you're hearing from Evan on this podcast, so you're going to love hearing from him uh, through your phone every day. But I'm going to say this slow. But if you text this number 313-332-7905, you will uh, have a prompt, and it'll, you can sign up, and you'll start your 14-day free trial. After that, it's 4.99 a month, and as Evan said. It's uh, very easy to cancel um, if you don't if you don't want to stick with it. But hey, with the season starting, you get this insider access like you're hearing today. Um, I think it's a pretty good deal for Tiger fans. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and, and I've I've enjoyed it so far. It's uh, you know it's I've got we've got our our regulars. We already had a lot of people sign up, but I, I hope more people will give it a try because uh, you know it is it's a way to have a, a one-on-one conversation through text and and not have to uh, wade through all the nonsense of social media. Hey, if you don't mind, Evan, it's been a great chatting with you today. Um, I know you'll be busy around the time of the World Series, but uh, maybe we can wedge something in um, when the Tigers uh, advance to the World Series this year. <laughs> maybe between game two and game three or something. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make it work. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Evan. It's been great having you on here today. Uh, go Tigers, man. I'll be, I'll be a homie uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> As I said, group Tigers fan, but great chatting with you today. And I hope this, I hope to see they can make this work this season. Um, bring a little joy to us this summer. I hope so too. Thank you very much. And there they go, Evan Woodbury, and of course, my co-host as always, John Heiner. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to put us in a playlist on Spotify and leave us a review on iTunes and Google Play if you are listening to it in one of those places. And if you really like it, share it with somebody that might enjoy the podcast. As always, my name is Eric Culcran. He is John Heiner, and this is Behind the Headlines.